stick your cock up her ass, you motherfucking worthless cocksucker. Did you fuck my mom? Did you fuck my mom? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. I got no fancy intro this week. I don't remember what Jake said the number of the episode is, but here we are on Unholy Mofos. I'm your host, Brother Scott, as joined always by the noisy Jake the Snake. Uh, yep, you might be hearing that on and off, people. Jesus fucking Christ. Somebody below me is working on something, so I, that's, the, that's one of the bright spots of having apartments or lofts. And sharing with a lot of people. Yeah, I guess it's a good thing I'm in a home and not an apartment. <laughs> I guess so. All right, Jake. What, uh, what what are we discussing this episode? Well, hey, the world's been wiped out, man. Uh-huh, all this shit is caught up. There's only one person left on Earth. Or is there? Yes, uh, we're going to be talking about... The Richard Matheson-based Omega Man. 
And I am Legend. And I will throw in, you know, thoughts and different things about uh, the original movie, uh, Last Man on Earth, with Vincent, Vincent Price. And I think I shall as well. Because uh, I ended up watching that. I, I read the book, I watched the original, and then I did these for the show. So I am <laughs> fully fucking prepared for the first <laughs> time in probably the entire show, you know, the entire lifespan of this show. I, I am ready to go. Cool, cool. And, well, as we will get to and what we've been watching, I even went a little further, but we shall discuss that. If you can hear me, <laughs> that is. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm intrigued. I, I don't know what else is out there. <laughs> You'll be surprised. I don't think I will. Moving on. The 2020 search for the uh, Unholy Mofo Girl. We've got uh, results in from last episode. Okay. Let's we've hear got, We've got Catherine Isabel winning 3-1. to one. Woo! Woo! Over Bryce Dallas Howard. All right, all right, all right. We have Drew Barrymore winning 3-1 to one over Michelle Pfeiffer. Did Balthack throw another other vote on the other one? <laughs> <laughs> Unless he did it on Twitter, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Jessica Alba won 5-1 to one over Renee Russo. Okay. And Winona Ryder won four to one over Sigourney Weaver. Okay. So, moving on to this week's matchups, we start out with Elizabeth Banks against Leah Thompson. Hmm. Yeah, Leah Thompson looked pretty damn good in those uh, Back to the Future movies. And I don't know. I think I could kind of lean towards Elizabeth Banks in this one, especially after seeing her as Rita Repulsa. Mm-hmm. Repulsa, mm-hmm. she was not. <laughs> <laughs> You're in your damn Power Rangers. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Leah Thompson, she's in Back to the Future, but what else has she been in, really? Howard the Duck. Uh, what else? Yeah. Yeah, I'm stumped. I mean, I mean, I know she's in a bunch of 80s movies, and I think she had her own sitcom in the 90s, but yeah, other than that, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of stumped. Um, you know, even though, you know, it's it's Marty McFly's mom and she's looking good, I gotta go Elizabeth Banks on that one. Okie dokie. So, and then uh, next matchup, we have Caroline Williams against Allison Hannigan. You know, just a few days ago, I looked on Instagram, and there was a picture of Caroline Williams posting her titties. So, is that going to give her the edge in this case? Mm. (laughs) My guess is, of course it is. Uh, Yeah. If you have Instagram, oh, follow Caroline Williams. Oh, my God, she posts a lot of sexy pictures. Looking good for being in her 60s, that's for sure. (sighs) You know uh. Allison Hannigan, she never really played a sexy role. She was like, always oh, kind of a nerdy type girl. Which I like nerdy type girls. Uh, I don't know. I lean towards Caroline in this case. Well, I, uh, I don't know. Um, for me, uh, I'm kind of stumped on this one. I, I, I think I'm going to go Allison. So. Okay. 
I mean, you know, all the American Pie movies. I know she was in um, How I Met Your Mother, but I've never watched that show. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That too. Um, next one, another Back to the Future. Elizabeth Shue against Zoe Zaldana. Ooh, let's see. I don't know. Zoe looked pretty damn good, even being green. <laughs> and blue and <laughs> <laughs> yeah she looks good in any color so hey i'm going zoe elizabeth sure she's you know still looking pretty good she she was just recently on uh the boys season one and yeah you know she's looking good but you know i think i'm gonna agree i uh the first thing i ever saw zoe and i think was uh death at a funeral from 2009 uh, yeah. And that, that was a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't seen the uh, that version. I just still seen the British version of that movie. And next and final matchup: Christina Ritchie against Zendaya. Zendaya, however you want to say her name. Uh, oh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Zendaya's kind of new. I mean. All I've seen her in is the Spider-Man movies and nothing else. I don't watch a lot of the Disney-type shows, which I understand she's from. Are we talking Christina Ricci and Adam Family? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't make it pervy. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I don't know. I think experience wins this round, so I'm going Christina. You know, I grew up watching Christina Ritchie movies, so of course I'm gonna go with her. Yeah, I, I it's it's hard not to. She was one of the girls I definitely had in mind for this, and you know she she had to be in it, so yeah, she is. And yeah. if I have my way with it, she's moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, that is this week's matchups. We have uh, I, I think we have a pretty pretty interesting set of matchups next time. Would you like to hear them? Yes. Hit me with it. We got Heather Graham against Megan Fox. Okay. Amy Jo Johnson against Jessica Chastain. <laughs> Mila Kunis against Heather Langenkamp. Okay. And uh, Mary Steenburgen against Rosario Dawson. Oh. So those are next week's matchups. You've got two weeks to figure out who you're going to vote for. And voting will take place on Facebook and on my Twitter. All right, all right. Sounds good. Moving on. You got a conspiracy for us? Yes. We have, we started a new little uh, new little segment. We have you know a bunch of segments that we just randomly pick each week, so you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> So uh, this week we're going to do another uh, movie conspiracy. And uh, the first one I have for you, the Pulp Fiction briefcase contains a soul. Yes, that's a, that's a good one. The, uh, the golden glow of uh, Ving Rhames' suitcase has baffled many a fan. Well, fear not, because fan site PulpFiction.com has the answer. The suitcase inf- is, in fact, the soul of Marcellus Wallace. He sold uh, to the devil for wealth and status. How the 666 combination, biblical references from Samuel L. Jackson, and of course, Wallace's desperation to get it back. 
Okay, so the thing is, you know, I've heard that it's just some diamonds in there. That's why it gives off that glow in it. And, you know, when you think of it, it's like Pulp Fiction is like pretty like a, a pretty grounded in reality type movie. When you watch it, there's like not a lot of other like uh, signs there. Some supernatural could be at force. And, you know, I think any any of other like Quentin Tarantino. Tino's movies, you know, they're all pretty grounded in reality, no supernatural type stuff, so I can see the argument against that, but then again, this is Quentin Tarantino, and the guys, he makes some uh, interesting movies, to say the least. (laughs) Interesting, yet very, very violent. (laughs) Yeah, so maybe it is, like... There is a little bit hint of supernatural right there, and maybe there is supernatural stuff in the background of all of his movies. I mean, hey, who knows? It's definitely one that gets you thinking. I, I mean, know, uh, I read, I think I heard somewhere, or there was like an interview where he actually talked about this, and he said something like he loves hearing fan theories about this because, like, uh, uh, Apparently, he doesn't even know what's in the briefcase, so basically it's open to interpretation of what it could be. Like, you know, he, he just – he loves hearing, like, it, it could be gold, it could be diamonds, it could be a soul. Like, he – you know, it's just a really interesting thing to read about. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty cool when you can do that with an audience, like, leave something that wide open. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> and just, like, have people speculate for the, for the end of time – what the hell is in it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, I think I go with it being more diamonds and gold just because, you know, there's no other supernatural hints in the whole movie. So much. I could be wrong. Who knows? But that's what I go with. Do you have a theory on this? Right in. at onlymofos at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, I got another one here for you. This one is about Ferris Bueller and that he never actually existed. Oh, yeah, I've heard this one. <laughs> this uh, theory has been lighting up the world, uh, the, the weird and wonderful world of Reddit, uh, for some time, and it may just reel you in for at least a second. Uh, what if Ferris was actually just a voice of hypochondriac friend Cameron's head? So that he basically represents the ideal life he's always wanted. Carefree, confident, etc. We'll leave this one to you to mull over. <sighs> okay, it's honestly been a long time since I last seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off, so like, I can't think of, like, uh, you know, what in that movie may hint at that. Uh, have you seen it recent, more recently? or No. Yeah, so, oh, God, I wish I could... Wish I could have seen it more recently just so I could, you know, tell you, like, how that might be bogus or how that might be actually pretty legit. Uh, but I just, I, I've, I've read about it before, but that does, like, where you're reading it from give, like, more of the hints where it could be coming from? No, it was just pretty much what I read. Ah, <sighs> shoot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then sorry, I just can't, like say much more about this and that's fine it's just it, it was one that i saw that i thought you know hey I, I know jake has probably seen this so let's let's give it a shot yeah again <laughs> i've i've actually never seen the movie i've pretty much uh, people just tell me exactly what happens in it so it's like 
I've already seen it, so it, it's like it, it ruins it for me. But, I mean, from what people tell me, I mean, it could be a possibility. I mean, I would have to officially watch the movie myself to judge, but, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's it's an interesting theory to think of. Yeah, I guess people are kind of suggesting that Ferris Bueller is the original Fight Club, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> High school <right>. Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's all I got for you this time around. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. I don't have much for the news this week, except, of course, more and more delays, including this is one bullshit, including one. Well, I kind of knew it was going to happen, but it's disappointing still. Halloween Kills not coming out until 2021 now. And the worst part about it is, even if theaters open up, they're not going to do it until October because Halloween is in October. So it's yeah. like they have this movie ready, and they're going to sit on it for, like, almost a fucking year to get it out on in an October date. And that's what pisses me off the most. Like, I, I mean, I understand wanting the atmosphere and everything, but I mean... In a way, I am kind of glad they're doing it that way, because, like, you know, I just remember, like, how Halloween 2018 was actually the first Halloween movie to be released around Halloween time since, I believe... The Curse of Michael Myers. Yeah, because everything like Halloween H2O to the last Rob Zombie film were all like summer releases. I'm like, no, no Halloween movies in summer. Come on, guys. <laughs> it just, it, it annoys me. Considering, like, my fucking event, my AEW event is supposedly going to be happening in November. So, like, you know, if... I'm able to do that. I would think I would be able to go to the fucking movie theaters. Yeah, well, give it a while. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm going to expect we're going to get some more delays or cancellations of events sometime in the future. I mean, I hope this shit is figured out by at least next summer, but I don't know the way things have been going lately. I, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I don't know about you, but here in New York, everything is going very good. Yeah, of course, then again, you've got shit blowing up in Florida. <laughs> of course, because of the beaches and, you know, people not fucking wearing masks because people are retards. <laughs> yeah, poor Nudie has to go back to work at Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he wasn't laid off. Wow. He's lucky. Yeah, yeah he was just, uh, it was just a little bit of, uh, a break for him, but now he's back, and I don't know the way things are going. I wouldn't be surprised if it, there was another break for him. Well, at least uh, we're going to be getting another thing of stimulus. Yeah, that's true. So that should be good. But uh, now I'm also reading that Candyman is now going to be released in October. Again, we'll see if that stays this time. I mean, I guess I can see why they'd be doing that, because, like, I think any movie would be afraid to be released in October, you know, competing with Halloween, but now that's not happening. Yeah. yeah but, again, we'll see if that uh, if that stays. And uh, if more and more of that keeps getting delayed, the more our Candyman episode gets delayed as well. <laughs> well, not only that, but now you got fucking uh, Black Widow coming out in, like, October, too, so... I thought that was a November release. 
last I October, heard. October, November, I don't know. Pretty sure, yeah. Yes. I haven't really been paying too much attention. And, uh, yeah, the Purge 5 bumped into 2021 as well. You know, I, I would have at least liked a teaser trailer to this before they fucking bumped it. Oh, God. That's something we've got to talk about. Halloween Kills. Did you check out the teaser to that? Yeah. Um, I don't think it really matters, them putting the fire out. I mean, he's in a burning fucking building. He's gonna be getting scorched pretty bad. Like, even if they put the fire out eventually, it takes a while. So, I mean... Well, I'm pretty sure Michael would have found a way to get out anyway, but... Of course, because it's the movies, and <laughs> we need to. We have, it's already guaranteed two more sequels, so you know he's I, gonna get out. I, I wonder, like, who the hell called those fire trucks? Who knows? <laughs> Is this gonna be another who ta- Michael how to drive type deal? <laughs> <laughs> who is out here saving Michael Myers? God damn it! Oh, the man in black is back. <laughs> he's who called. <laughs> oh, oh God! Don't even start with that. <laughs> But one thing that really gets me excited about the movie, though, is just John Carpenter, you know, fangirling about how many kills are in the movie. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I mean, I, I'm just hoping he's not, like, building it up and all, but, yeah, that does have me excited. Like, I mean, hearing the word body count is just, you know, it's a good sign. Jeez, if Halloween kills is going to have that much of a body count, I hope they're not blowing her low too much before Halloween ends. It just—it makes me wonder. Are they trying to go for that record of most on-screen kills in a movie? <laughs> now I'm just thinking, you know, a few weeks ago I watched Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> There's that one part they're like doing the big old shootout, and then it's giving that kill counter. It's like it passes Rambo Two, now passes RoboCop, bloodiest movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm—I hope I'm wrong, but it's. Um, It'll probably be a while till we see movie theatrically, I'm thinking, at this point. Well, I have a new Kurt Russell movie is coming out soon. Oh, you mean Russell Crowe? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Kurt Russell, I don't think I've heard about it. Oh, yeah, that I, one looks... I, I, yeah, it's Russell something. <laughs> yeah, that one looks pretty interesting. I, You know, normally I'd be like, uh, oh, I... I'll probably wait for that for DVD or streaming, but, you know, if it's going to be, like, the only theatrical movie for a while. <laughs> but, oh, again, another thing, too, I, you know, they'll obviously be re- requiring you to wear the mask in the movie theaters, and, oh, you know what? Being in those things for less than 10 minutes is hell. I, I don't know if I could stand, like, an hour and a half to two hours of that. Um, I don't know. It's... Not too bad. I mean, I I don't really have a problem with the mask. I mean, if you wear it in just the right way, like, you can breathe, like, really good. Yeah. And, of course, I guess it depends on what environment you're in, too. Like, yeah, it's been uh, fucking hot as balls out here lately. Yeah, I wouldn't be going to a a theater if... Fucking, I wouldn't go to a drive-in because you turn your car off and then you're just sitting there in the heat. Like, that's just... No, no thanks. I guess we'll see. And, uh, well, yeah, there's a thing about uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone saying uh, another Rambo could be coming up. It's like, gosh, Stallone, you're really uh, bleeding this dry, ain't you? <laughs> I mean, the, well, last, of course. the last one was supposed to be the 
Well, last one. I mean, even said so in the title. Rambo, Last Blood. But of course, then again, we've seen that many times with like, especially Friday the 13th, the final chapter. <laughs> <laughs> and Stallone ain't no spring chicken. So is he going to be doing these into his fucking 80s? I mean, how old is he now? He's in his 70s, right? Yeah. I think he was like, oh, I want to say like 74. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm good. I still haven't seen the last Rambo movie, so I don't know how it ends. Yeah, maybe I mean, he's... obviously he's talking about a uh, you know another one. He can't he can't have died. Yeah, and I don't know. I I think uh, the one before that, uh, Rambo Four. I thought that one just ended perfectly. It it could have just stopped right there, man. But yeah, well, money talks. <laughs> yep, it's a shame. Yeah, uh, I think sometimes things I should probably marathon those Rambo movies. Yeah, at least when I'm back to being at home. Yeah, I heard you you back to work, huh? Yeah, just for a short bit. Like, uh, they need help in the mailroom, and well, uh, I've got experience there. <laughs> I only got one more week of training for that, and then I'm back to being at home. And so that leads perfectly to what we've been watching because, well, like I was telling Scott earlier, my list is going to be taking a little bit of a hit. Shorter than usual. <laughs> like I said, I made up for it. Good lord! What are you watching? Yeah, Well, uh, to start off, I watched The Arrival with Charlie Sheen. Uh, quite a big plot twist there at the end of the movie. And, yeah, definitely, definitely you don't see it coming. And yeah, as I was telling Scott, I, I I don't remember the last time I even watched it, so I'll well I have to get back to you on that. I think it's on Tubi. Um, I finished up Married with Children. I had like two or three seasons left of that, and I I finished that up in a couple days. Um, and then after that, I started The Twilight Zone. Um, nice. I've always had trouble finishing this series, and I really want to do it this time through. I'm on season four right now. Are you, is, is it streaming, or were you watching it on television? During... It's on Hulu. Okay. All five seasons. Um, on to uh, some new viewings. I ah, you fucker. Uh, The Dead Zone, Christopher Walken. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. I I had never seen it before, and, you know, I I kind of thought I wanted to watch it, you know, a couple weeks ago, but, you know, I just, you know, I didn't get around to it, so, you know, it was just, it was, it was just time. Trying to talk over the noise here, the next one I watched was American Assassin with uh, Michael Keaton. Okay. That's on uh, Netflix. I thought it looked pretty interesting, so I thought I'd check it out, and uh, it was pretty good. Uh, it was a spy-type movie, kind of like a, a modern-day James Bond with, you know, without James Bond. Okay. Uh, the next one, uh, Murder Mystery with uh, Adam Sandler. Uh, uh, yeah. I thought it looked kind of interesting, so I thought I'd check it out, and uh, that, was, that was quite fun. Yeah, still, I've yet to check that one out. Uh, and then the final new watch, uh, Starsky and Hutch. I'd never seen it before. Oh, wow. <laughs> the one with Ben Stiller and yeah. Owen Wilson. Uh, oh, boy, that was, that was a riot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can still remember going to see that when it came out. Like, oh, I think that part where they're fighting with that kid had the biggest reaction when I went to go see it. 
<laughs> like the kid stabbed him with a fork or something, right? He's, he's throwing knives at him. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was that was pretty fun. I'd never seen it. It was on Netflix. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna check this out because you know Ben Stiller. He specifically doesn't do very much wrong. And then uh, I had got into a couple of rewatches: uh, Total Recall, uh, Running Man, Dinner for Schmucks, and then uh, Constantine. Yeah, that uh, you could say I uh, <laughs> I made up for your, your lack of. I guess. <laughs> okay, so here's my list: rewatched Napoleon Dynamite first time in years, and God, that movie's still fucking hilarious. <laughs> What'd you watch it on? Oh, uh, my hard drive. It's not on anything that I have. <laughs> Might be I I I don't know yeah oh god the part I really liked was uh when Kip and Uncle Rico are selling all that Tupperware Kip's trying to demonstrate how tough it is by running it over and he ends up breaking it he's like dang it and just drives off <laughs> what we call Silence of the Hams yes of the Hams <laughs> it's a parody, it's a parody of Silence of the Lambs and Psycho you know it's gotcha. Billy Zane, he plays the lead detective. His name in that movie is Joe D. Foster. <laughs> and Dom DeLuise is the Hannibal Lecter of this movie. It's kind of funny. I mean, I'd say it's mid-tier booth movies. I mean, it's nowhere near like Naked Gun, Scary Movies, Spaceballs. But it's way above movies like Meet the Spartans and Disaster Movie. Oh, <laughs> it's even got... Cameo from John Carpenter, too. Really? Yeah. We watched Misery for the first time in years yeah, because uh, that Silence of the Hams movie had like a Misery reference in there. And I was like, hmm, you know, I haven't watched that movie in a while. So I did. Still pretty damn good movie. You know, I, I remember uh, this uh, Fright Fest. That was my uh, my first time actually getting to finish the movie. You know, I, I'd actually never seen the whole thing, and the, was, uh, that ending was really messed up. Right? Oh, man, you should read the book, man. It, a book gets way more messed up. Yeah, I, uh, I've been uh, buying a lot of books here recently. I just bought uh, The Shining to accompany my Doctor Sleep, and I also bought The uh, the Stand, which is, I guess, like unrated or unedited or some shit that's got like 500 extra extra pages to oh, wow. it. Wow. So <laughs> it's a fucking big hunk of meat, let me tell you. It's like 1,426 pages. Bigger than it? Uh, I think so. Holy shit, man. I think it's only like 1,100. This has got like 300 extra pages. <laughs> Jesus. It just makes me wonder how the hell they're going to fucking fit all of it into a TV show. Hey, man, with a TV miniseries, it's like you can get so many episodes. I mean, hey, I think the original miniseries was like uh, four episodes. Four hours or something, yeah. I saw that in uh, Walmart. They would they had it in the bargain bin. I was thinking about getting it, but then I was just like, oh, I'll wait. <laughs> I have somebody who can help me out with that. <laughs> It might might be on YouTube, I think, as well. That too. Yeah, uh, watched House of the Dead. You know, Uwe Boll's first movie, and yeah, it's a bad movie, but you know what? It's an entertaining bad. I mean, mm. his career after that went a little downhill, but at least I can watch House of the Dead and laugh at it. Uh, watch the first two Species movies 
because I've never seen any of those movies before. Oh my lord, I had discovered those movies earlier. Oh my, I don't think uh, I'd have anything left in my little wee wee. <laughs> I mean, good god, lots, lots of nudity. Yeah, she's basically naked throughout that first whole movie, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's interested. <laughs> uh, they're pretty good beyond the nudity, of course. Uh, I've, so. I think I've seen it on, you know, stuff. But like, what is it about? An alien that comes down to Earth, uh, you know, takes <laughs> form, of course, of a hot blonde chick and is trying to mate with a, a male to find a perfect male host to uh, get her babies. I see. <laughs> Watch the negotiator with. Samuel L. Jackson and Kevin Spacey. Of course, the one movie I've watched with Kevin Spacey where he's not playing an asshole or villain. So I was like, oh, <laughs> I have to root against him after, you know. But, you know, other than that, it, it's still a pretty good movie. I watched this movie from the asylum called Titanic 2, where they <laughs> make another Titanic. And guess what? History repeats itself. I've had this movie by... <laughs> One of my hard drives for years, and oh, I just never got around to watching it, so I decided to, and you know what? I'm kind of glad I watched it. You know why? Why? Because now I know I could just move it to the trash bin and keep it from taking up so much space on that flash drive. Wow, what a piece <laughs> of junk it was. Was and it worse than The Witch? It's a different kind of bad uh, from, from The Witch, which is just pretentious, boring type shit, and uh, Titanic 2, I, yeah. <laughs> Just call up Tyler and have him fucking go line for line of the original Titanic. He knows it by heart. The pyramid, you know, that found footage flick that came out a few years ago. People go into the pyramids and uh, get attacked by some terrible CGI creatures. Yeah, that was a movie. You know, I... I'm trying to remember the uh, Chernobyl Diaries. What chases them in that? Isn't it like mutant freaks? I I have not seen that one, so I can't oh, tell. I, uh, watch I watched Little Man with the Wayans, where Martin was pretending <laughs> to be a little baby. Uh, that was fucking hilarious, and yeah, had the almost scary movie reunion type deal. Yeah, I saw that like uh, a couple years ago now. That was pretty funny. Uh, wrongfully accused. Another spoof movie where Leslie Nielsen is spoofing The Fugitive. I thought you said your fucking your what you've been watching took a hit. I, I said shorter <laughs> than usual, man. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just like Sean when he says his rundown is going to be shorter than usual. Still ends up being an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I did have another week of uh, staying home and watching movies, this could have been even bigger, man. <laughs> and of course, since it was Fourth of July, I rewatched, of course, The Essentials, Jaws, Independence Day, and uh, this uh, newer movie called I See You. Let's just say this is another one of those movies where the less you know about it, the better. I don't know anything about it. Never heard of it. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, it's on there. Is it worth the watch? I'd say so. Okay, so now to uh, these other things. Like I said I went a little bit further with the uh, Richard Matheson I Am Legend type stuff. Well, the Asylum created their own version of this that came out around the same time as uh, the Will Smith I Am Legend, 
called I Am Omega. <laughs> Get it? I Am Omega. That's funny. I was thinking last night if they were to redo it, that would be a good name. No, Let I'm me guess. It. it wasn't very good. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, this one, you know, of course. You know, it sounds like vampires or zombie slash vampires. It's just pretty much zombies and uh, it's just so boring, too. And then, of course, when we get to more human characters these two guys he meets up with uh you know they're such assholes and they say hey lead us to this girl who might be immune and he refuses and what do they do they fucking blow up his house with a rocket launcher it's like oh now you have no choice oh and guess what plot twist those guys are the main villains of the movie it's like oh no you don't say (laughs) (laughs) plot twist (laughs) (laughs) you're telling me these guys who blew up this guy's house are supposed to be the villains and that's supposed to be the biggest surprise wow <laughs> but uh, uh. well jake going the extra mile watching the shitty things so we don't have to <laughs> <laughs> yep i even posted a meme about that on facebook the other day <laughs> with the red skull saying i pos- i lead others to a treasure i cannot possess and of course i went even a little bit further and uh watched the home mega man the simpsons treehouse horrors parody of omega man where homer is the last person on earth and gets attacked by mutant creatures and of course mean creatures being mo flanders dr herbert uh i think chief wiggum and sideshow mel <laughs> i think that was actually my first exposure to this type of story right there whenever i originally watched that it's uh on two parts on youtube which I don't understand why it needs to be in two parts, considering it's a seven-minute uh, little clip, but, oh, well, whatever. And, yep, that is my shorter-than-usual what I've been watching list for this week. <laughs> Short my fucking ass. <laughs> but, hey, man. It's again, just as long as mine, but you went into a lot more detail. <laughs> well, you know, again, like, being called into work, and then there were some days I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to watch youtube and listen to podcasts instead so you know if i didn't do those (laughs) imagine how long this list could have been (laughs) okay uh that's it so let's talk about some last people on earth so i think i am uh first so we're gonna put in a song and we're gonna take a break
no phone ringing, damn it! The last man on Earth lives in a fortress. What day is it anyway? Monday? The hell it is, it's Sunday. Sunday I always dress for dinner. Discovered check. How does that grab you, Caesar? The last man on Earth always carries an automatic weapon. The last man on Earth is hunting. Because the last man on Earth is not alone. Mad bomber himself. And I see you got a mad scientist. You know me? And about your work. My work? Incremental effects, countermeasures to toxic agents and liquid systems delivery, microbiological letters, January 1975, remember? You know what it means? I was a med school senior when they scratched the world. Family. God, I forgot to keep the fuel up in the generator. They'll be into the garage! we're back and to set the mood it has started fucking downpouring and thunder and lightning in my area Woohoo! <laughs> you're lucky that's so, all you're getting <laughs> yeah i probably should open the imdb but you know yeah force of habit well yeah i got up here and the noise has kind of died down for now pausing to see if i jinxed myself so yeah Omega Man or the... The Omega Man. Yeah, the Omega Man. I'm just trying to read whatever the symbol is in the IMDb title. Maybe that's Omega. I, I don't know. Yeah, 6.5 on IMDb came out August 1st, 1971. And um, honestly, the only person I know in this movie is, of course, Charlton Heston. You know, Charlton from movies such as Planet of the Apes. In the Mouth of Madness. Yes. Most people forget he's in that. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> oh, yeah, and he narrated Armageddon as well. I forgot about that. Yeah, he was a 
he's a good man. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'm mostly going to be muted through this rundown unless I have something to say because of my current situation. Yeah, some asshole's doing fucking work in his, his building, so. You know, you get to listen to me in all my glory. <laughs> which isn't that much, so <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> all right, well, uh, this movie begins. It's 1975. Biological warfare between the Soviet Union and the People's Republic of China wipes out the entire world population. Two years later, Robert Neville and uh, a few that have mutated into a cult of light-sensitive nocturnal psychopaths known as the family, who are, you know, partially blind, they uh, they seek to destroy all technology. They're uh, you know they're convinced by their fanatic leader, former news broadcaster Jonathan Mathias, which is kind of dumb because in the novel, his nemesis goes by the name of Ben. Yeah, Cor- it's, that's his last name, Corland. It seems like the all they got from the novel is the concept and the name of the main character, mostly for for what I can tell with this movie. Yeah, it um, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, Neville, uh, you know, uh, Matthias, he, uh, you know, says that you know Neville personifies the twin evils of science and militarism. Well, uh, Neville, he remains safely barric- uh, barricaded in his elegant downtown penthouse apartment, where he has hoarded food, liquor, and fuel. You know, in spite of the catastrophe around him. Well, there's some lightning. Neville patrols the city by day, carrying a machine gun and recording any sign of the family's activity in hopes of finding and destroying them. After another evening of fighting off attacks led by Matthias and his cohort Zachary, uh, Neville searches downtown in hopes of tracking them down. Uh, attempting to suppress his constant anxiety, Neville shops, quote-unquote, in a clothing store and is startled when he sees a young black woman attempting to blend in with the store mannequins. Neville, he ends up chasing the woman, but she escapes by running into the park. Uh, exhausted, Neville, he uh, makes his way into a bar and he starts drinking. Because, you know, that's what you do. And end times, you just you fucking get drunk all the time. Yeah, I would. <laughs> or, or fuck, you know, hey, so I'd be wiped out for probably no loss. I could probably get fucking high as shit. <laughs> yeah, you could probably do a lot more than that. Well, uh, he ends up hearing a noise, and he descends into the darkened wine cellar where he is attacked by the family who take him to Matthias. Well. Matthias, he condemns Neville for not being one of his quote-unquote family because he is not infected and declares him obsolete. Neville uh, maintains that the uh, the family should organize an attempt to find a cure, but Matthias and the others declare Neville guilty and carry him outside to a cart where he is driven to an area just outside of Dodger Stadium. Uh, they begin lashing Neville to uh, a tree. Uh, Matthias... Uh, Matthias and his exhorts they uh, they follow and uh, they try to burn uh, Neville and uh, let's see what the fuck did I, I got real crazy with my notes here oh, there's another thing of lightning uh, 
just cut all this out. I I uh, I fucked up in my notes, so I I had to like go around a few things, so I, I just had to reread everything. Yeah. Okay. Um. So basically, you know, this uh, they take him to where you know all the dead bodies were burned. You know, after you know the initial contamination. Uh, suddenly, the uh, stadium lights come on, forcing the family to collapse in an effort to cover their light-sensitive eyes and skin. Uh, an unmutated young man appears and cuts Neville free, then guides him away to the tunnels under the stadium, where they are joined by the young woman Neville saw in the store. The, uh, the woman forces Neville at gunpoint to drive her on a motorbike through the stadium and away from the recovering family. Well... It's now dawn, and the uh, the couple, they arrive at uh, a house at the base of the mountains, where Neville is stunned to meet a few healthy children. The young man joins the group and introduces himself as Dutch, and the woman as Lisa. Dutch ends up telling Neville that he is familiar with his work, and he was a graduate student in biochemistry before the disaster. Dutch explains that neither he nor Lisa and the children understand why they have not been affected by the plague. But, uh, you know, he believes that their youth gives them a mild immunity to the plague, nevertheless. Well, they will all uh, mutate soon, regardless, and become new members of the family. You know, it just it makes me wonder. Like, Lisa seems to be, like, the oldest character. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, I too. Like, she she looks like she's maybe late 20s, early 30s here. Yeah. But, yeah. like, they're talking about, like, youth and stuff. That that just, that kind of, you know, confused me. Yeah, not very consistent right there. I guess they just needed a uh, love interest and, you know, don't want to get too young for her, Charlton Heston. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't, don't need to be uh, robbing any cradles. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa and Dutch then uh, tell Neville that they have brought him to examine one of the young people, Richie, who is on the verge of becoming a mutant. After examining the boy, Neville shocks Lisa and Dutch when he reveals that he is immune to the plague due to a vaccination he developed and took just as the war reached its peak. Uh, Heartened when Neville suggests that his blood could be used to make a serum, Dutch and Lisa agree to let Neville take Richie back to town, where Neville has uh, access to laboratories. Well, uh, at Neville's penthouse, he administers the last remaining vaccination to Richie. That evening, Neville treats Lisa to dinner, but they're interrupted by a power outage. And, uh, you know, it caused, uh, you know, it's because uh, Neville uh, didn't refuel his generators, which he has, you know, like a bunch of, I think, oh, wait, no, no, that's the next one. I'm getting my fucking scenes mixed up here with with the remake. Oh, jeez. Well, uh, Neville, he ends up going to the basement, and uh, he restores the power. Zachary, he begins to... uh, What the hell are you doing, Doc? He begins to scale the building to the the penthouse balcony. Neville restores the lights and returns in time to kill Zachary just as he is about to attack Lisa. Uh, Neville and Lisa, they spend the night together. And the next morning, Neville notes that Richie's condition is much improved. Taking Lisa to a laboratory, Neville draws his own blood and sets about making a serum he hopes will work. Please, Lisa offers to uh, spend the afternoon gathering supplies for them, and Neville returns to his penthouse to find a nearly recovered Richie. 
When uh, Neville tells Richie about the serum, the boy expresses happiness that everyone will soon return to normal, quote-unquote. Uh, Neville explains that the uh, the family may be too far along in the illness to be saved and should be left dying. You know, not too happy about this, Richie, he ends up criticizing Neville for, you know, his hypocrisy and abruptly reveals that the family's hideout is the city civic center. It just makes me wonder, how the hell did he know that? I don't know. Maybe he's been in there. I, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's never explained how he knows, and it's just like you're supposed to go along with it. Okay, yep, yep, he knows. That, that's cool. <laughs> yep, let's go along with it. <laughs> uh, later, uh, Neville goes to the mountains to report Richie's recovery and the serum development to Dutch, who agrees to join Neville and Lisa the following day. Uh, upon returning to town, Neville finds a note from Richie declaring he has gone to confront the family to find out if they are as cynical as Neville. The uh, the scientist hurries to the Civic Center, where he finds Richie, who has been brutally murdered. What a shame. Uh, wah, wah. <laughs> at dusk, as uh, Lisa returns to the penthouse, she runs into a torchlight parade by the family, and showing signs of the illness, joins them and lets them in at Neville's apartment. She went... Uh, uh, full mutant, I would say. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> the white yep. hair, the white eyes. Yeah, that was a quick transformation right there. <laughs> it just makes me wonder, had she not seen them, what would have happened? Yeah. Hmm. Like, would she have gotten back to the penthouse, head bed, and, like, Neville been able to treat her with, like... You know, it's it sucks that you know Marvel owns the what if because you could do what if for just about anything. Sure is that. Well, back at the penthouse, Neville is confronted by the family, including Matthias, as a dazed Lisa who destroys his belongings. Um, Neville succeeds in uh, breaking free and uses uh, a large knife. He uh, threatens Matthias as he, you know, he goes to get out. Yeah, he ends up grabbing Lisa, and Neville flees outside. But when uh, Matthias calls to Lisa from the balcony, she's confused and breaks away from Neville. As uh, Neville's machine gun jams, Matthias sees the spear dropped by Zachary and hurls it at Neville, impaling him in the chest. The following morning, Dutch arrives with the children and is horrified to find Neville bleeding to death. Before dying, Neville gives Dutch the serum bottle and urges him to take the collapsed Lisa and the children away to start anew. And he dies. What a shame. They and all drive it, off. And is it both. just me? Or was he kind of in a Christ-like pose when he died? I mean. Yeah, that was uh, quite interesting. He had like his right arm like trapped in a fountain-like structure. And, like, the other one was, like, kind of just holding on to his chest where he got impaled. Heavy imagery right there. Yeah. We roll credits on this one. So, Jake, is this your first time watching this? Second time, actually. Wait, I think, think the first time was right around when the Will Smith version was coming out. So, excited to watch that to see the differences and having watched both these movies and Last Man on Earth and reading the novel 
this one, like, well, this one takes a quite a major leap of differences from the source mm-hmm. material. I mean, there's no vampires. It's just um, you people who are just people, yeah, just sensitive to light and all. And yeah, you know, there's just a uh, hey, they're so against uh, the way things were. Yeah, and like I said, it just seems like the overall concept and the character name of Robert Neville are the only things that they kept in the movie, honestly. And, uh, well, honestly, I gotta say, too, I was tired as shit whenever I watched this movie last night, so might have not have been in the best of moods to watch it. I mean, that's why I really wish I got to watch it, you know, during the daytime. But, uh, well, circumstances did not allow that, and, yeah, I probably could give this movie a better rating someday when we'll watch a better circumstances but you know i was just tired as shit and at some point i was like hurry up and and so i can go to bed i mean yeah i guess honestly i could have paused it and finished it in the morning but that's not what i chose to do but you know other than that it's still like you know you've got charlton heston being the badass that he was back in the day kind of a good role for him and just some weird stuff in it, too. Like, and talk about that one scene, like, at the beginning of the movie, like, all those phones were ringing. Was that, like, in his head or was, like, family yeah. actually calling? Yeah, it was uh, his insanity from, you know, being alone for so long. Yeah, I can see that. And Yeah, yeah one thing, of course, is that uh, I think Last Man and I Am Legend, like, play with, uh, of course, isolation stuff a little bit longer than this movie does. Like, I think, I don't know, I want to say like maybe 20 minutes before he finds out there's more people on Earth uh, around the area, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just wish I could have played with that just a little tad bit more, but uh, this one, I'll just go with uh, just okay. Again, maybe when I watch it, not tired, I can give the better rating, but that's why I go with for now. Yeah, I, I give this one a pretty good. It's, it's you know, you definitely hit on it. It, it definitely takes away from the source material. Uh, originally, I, you know, the first time I watched this, I was really creeped out by the movie just based on everything that it had in it. But yeah. this time I didn't have that reaction, mostly because... I had seen the original at that time, and I had read the book. So this was a whole different direction from what it was supposed to be. And, you know, I, I'm not faulting it for it. You know, I, you I know, guess. You in, interpret things your own way. I mean, I'm writing a remake to something that probably will never see the light of day, but it, it takes the, the fucking the movie in a completely different direction that you never would have thought. I guess sometimes with remakes, you should probably do that sometimes. I mean, don't want to get, like, too similar. So I guess I can't fault him too much for that. Yeah, so, you know, other than that, you know, know, Heston, you know, he's he's really good in the movie. Uh, You know, I think the the whole mutant thing, you know, watching it now, it definitely could have been played a lot better, I think. You know, I mean, it... The first time I watched it, they were all real creepy, but this time it was just like, yeah, okay, you know, they're they're just people who have wounds on their faces and they can't go out in the daytime. Yeah. That's pretty much all it was. 
Yeah, you know, first time watching it, it was it was like you know, I had the opinion that they were like you know the vampiric zombie you know type people that were you know if they got a hold of him they would fucking you know they need him or something like that you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I could have added in a little bit cannibalism in there, probably. Yeah, I mean they did mention the food, like they eat food, but it's you know. You see him, like, when he's clothes shopping, he, there's, like, a can of, like, fish or something with the oil that comes out. Like, I mean, you know, that's just... It, it, I think it definitely could have been played better, but, you know, overall, it was still a good movie, and it's definitely worth the watch. Yeah, man. And I'm just going to get this out of the way, too. I, I kind of find it interesting in the book. I mean, I figure... I kind of got the impression that they were, like, the more traditional-type vampires in there, but... All movie versions of this, you know, not very traditional vampires. Nope. That's uh, that's one thing I don't think any of the movies have hit on yet. And it's we, I think we need one more remake and just have somebody fucking <laughs> write a script basically from the book. Right. Although uh, I think people yeah. will be happy. Uh, when when should we talk about Last Man on Earth? Uh, I think we could do it after your movie. Okay. All right, then. Well, let's get to my movie. So, I don't know. <laughs> I think it seems like the noises have died down for now. But look, I probably just jinxed myself again. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you say something, Jake? <sighs> <laughs> it's been a while since I heard noises. And I was finally able to actually speak during this rundown. The first time for a while. Uh, let's take a break, see if that lasts a little bit longer, and we'll be back with I Am Legend. I got a fever, don't breathe on me. I'm a believer in nobody Won't let me leave cause I've seen something Hope I don't sneeze, I don't <sighs> Really we just need to feel something Only pretending to feel something I know you're dying to run I wanna turn you around Please remain calm The end has arrived We cannot see you Enjoy the ride This is the moment You've been waiting for
board up your windows You can lock up your doors, yeah But you can't keep washing your hands of this shit anymore With all the key stops and then all the key friends Don't know their options from their pathogens When life is a prison and death is a doom This ain't a warning This is a war I'm a survivor living in New York City. I will be at the South Street Seaport every day at midday when the sun is highest in the sky. Push them around. Eat, eat them. I'm not playing. Morning, Hank. Midway through the G's.
now we are back with I Am Legend. Came out December 14th, 2007. And you know what? I just gotta get this out of here. A little anecdote about when this movie came out. Because it came out around the same time as Alvin and the Shipmunks, the first one. So, he and my mom went to go see this movie at our small town Iowa movie theater, which had only three screens. <laughs> yeah, two smaller screens for smaller releases and big one for the bigger releases. Well, I Am Legend was showing on the bigger one while Alvin and the Shipmunks was on one of the smaller ones. And, uh, of course, would you know it, big old crowd of kids there, and then Alvin and the Shipmunks fell out. And what did they decide to do, the remaining kids? We're going to go see I Am Legend. Or <laughs> rather, we're going to go into the movie theater, use it as a fucking playpen. Yeah, so my first viewing of this movie was uh, less than desirable. Jeez. Anywho, at a 7.2 on IMDb, uh, directed by Francis Lawrence, a guy who did, uh, well, he did Constantine, a bunch of music videos, and, you know, a bunch of the Hunger Games movies. We don't care about those guys. But a writer, one of them is Akiva Goldsmith, who's done a bunch of movies. I think he's done a few Russell Crowe movies like A Beautiful Mind and Cinderella Man, but then he's done some other ones. Uh, Oh boy, I'm surprised he still has a career after a few of these. He did uh, Batman and Robin. (laughs) (laughs) And I listened to his last few movies. Divergent movies. Fifth Wave, Rings, Transformers, The Last Night, The Dark Tower. Well, this guy still has a career after all those movies. <laughs> and of course, starring Will Smith as Robert Neville. Yeah, there's a few recognizable names in this one. Uh, you know, his daughter's in it, and uh, you know, Emma Thompson in a small role in the beginning. So this movie begins with, of course, her as Dr. Crippen. She's being interviewed on TV because she believes she's found a cure for cancer. And how do we cure cancer? We get the measles virus genetically changed so it could attack these cancer cells. So, perfect. We found a cure for cancer. Everything's good, right? Right? Well, cut to three years later and there's New York. Empty as shit. So, I'm guessing, no, things did not go so well. (laughs) And what's really amazing about it is they actually shut down all of New York to film these scenes. I I think a year after this movie came out, me and my parents went on a trip to New York City. We're taking a tour of like places they filmed famous movies and TV shows in, and you know they talked about how they could like shut down you know all of Times Square for just a few hours and all. That's amazing. They were able to do that you know considering these days they just oh here's a cg empty new york right here yeah it, it's not the same then again times square is really just more of a tourist spot now than it you know used to be <laughs> i i imagine uh maybe a few months ago they've probably been able to film some uh <laughs> times square maybe <laughs> oh yeah you could have done the same thing all over the place. I mean, did you did you see the videos of Las Vegas? My God. <laughs> yeah, so we meet a character, Robert Neville, this time played by Will Smith. And, of course, he's the last man on Earth with his dog, Sam. I wonder if Sam likes peanut butter. <laughs> all back to last episode. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm just saying, yo, he's the last man on Earth. There's no woman. 
Hey, you know, I'm just trying to make the dog stuff funny before it gets depressing as shit. Yeah. He's going around New York City and he comes across some deer that he's trying to hunt them. He uh, finally gets one. He's about to get it. And a lion attacks it. A lion that escaped from the zoo. And so, you know, he just decides to like, let nature take its course and walk away. And uh, there's the opening credits, but he's just knows before the uh, opening titles hit. He gets a movie poster in the background of Batman vs. Superman. No. Oh, you didn't notice that? I wasn't really looking for it. Yeah. I know it's there, I just, I, I don't ever really look for it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't care. Yeah, six years before the actual one came out. Six years before. Martha, why did you say that name? I, I think I've read somewhere, too, that in the video store scenes, you might see, like, a Green Lantern and Teen Titans stuff, too, so. Uh, I well, guess this is a Warner Brothers movie. You know, trying to get to DC stuff started earlier enough. Well, of course, a year after this movie, a much better superhero universe would be born. Well, after all this line stuff, Robert goes home to his house you know, where he lives all alone. Manda, he just watches a bunch of uh, taped versions of uh, the Today Show, just trying to get as normal of a life as he can. You know, he's uh, giving Sam a bath and then... Right around that time, it's, uh, he knows the sun's going down, so it's time to lock up everything. Him and Sam the dog are sleeping in the bathtub with the sounds of screaming outside. Oh god, I can't imagine how uncomfy that might be, sleeping in a bathtub like that. You know, when you're fucking alone for so long, you become a little paranoid at, like, everything, so... You know, I, I don't think it's as weird for him as you might think it is. Well, I'm not saying it's weird. I'm just saying it's uncomfortable. I, I don't know. I think, you know, if it's big enough, it can be comfortable. And, uh, well, that night, you know, he's dreaming, of course, about the pass of him going to grab his wife and their daughter, along with Sam as just a little puppy. You know, just explain, like, they got to get the fuck out of New York because they're about to be quarantining. And, yep, again, real-life parallels right here. And, uh, well, of course, he's uh, interrupted from this by waking up. And, well, when he wakes up, he's in his bed. So it's like, oh, he moved to the bed at some point? or Yeah, he had to have either that or it's a freaking writer error. Gets a little bit more of uh, the day-to-day with Robert and how he's uh, going around like... Well, we see that he's actually experimenting, trying to find a vaccine. So he's testing it on a bunch of these, uh, well, not so good CGI rats. They're just so fucking crazy, except he finds one that's calm as shit. So he thinks this vaccine might uh, be working. So got to start human trials really soon. Now a little bit more of Day to Day with Robert, where he's going to a video store where there's a bunch of these mannequins there. Hmm. Just trying to act like things are normal. And yeah, this would be kind of cool. Having the whole video store to yourself. Having a video store. <laughs> <laughs> I miss them. Hey, there are still some, like the smaller ones and all. That's how I'm in. Area. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, there's even a little lady mannequin in the adult section. And talking to Sam later, he's like, You think I should go say hi to her? Yeah, what do you think? Hmm? How lonely it must get for poor old Robert. 
And he's uh, going around to some uh, condos just to look for more supplies and stuff. And in this one condo he's in, he passes by a room that has two cribs in it. I guess these people were supposed to have twins before the whole thing came down, so it makes them a little sad. And, uh, yeah, he goes over to try to uh, talk to people all over AM radio frequencies just to let somebody know that he's out there in case there is somebody out there. After playing a little golf, he sees another deer, and Sam goes after it and runs into a building, so Robert goes after Sam. And it's yeah, dark. I, I want to say something. Like, I haven't watched this movie in probably eight years. Yeah. My God, the tension in this thing was fucking there. <laughs> right. And you I always like to point this out, too. Like, what I really like about this is a, kind of a lack of musical score in some it, It's, like, quiet. It's, like, it. You're you're supposed to feel the isolation and the nothingness that's there. Right? Yeah, that works very well for this movie right here. And, and then when we do get some musical scores, it's just like during the more tense sequences and all, but yeah, otherwise it's a pretty quiet movie. Not as quiet as Quiet Place, but <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he's following Sam into this abandoned building and he finds a bunch of these uh, what they call dark seekers in this movie. I, st- I still have a little bit of an issue with these monsters because not only are they CGI, I don't know, they're not even like zombies or anything. Like, you don't even really see them fucking eat anything. Yeah, I mean, you got I mean, there's a dead deer on the ground, but like, that's, I don't know. I just, I have a little, little bit of an issue with these quote unquote zombies. Yeah, well, they're just uh, trying to update them for, you know, modern movies, you know. Again, yeah, like we were saying, wish we would get like one of these movies with uh, more traditional vampires like the original novel, but oh well. <laughs> yeah, that that was something. It was like, that's very heavily referred to in the book, like the vampiric, you know, parasite and this and that. Like, it's it's a big thing, but like none of these movies have hit on it, and that, that kind of bothers me now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh well. Well, he, he gets chased by these creatures and ends up, like, jumping out of a window with some of these. And he sets up a trap to capture one of them, and he catches one, and it's a female. And I guess the leader of these uh, Dark Seekers is coming out, but can't because the uh, sunlight hurts his skin. But, you know, that's something they kept for the vampiric-type stuff. Yeah, like, like you know... Talk about tension. I mean, like, you know, when he's going through, you, you know, you could just the way that Will Smith played it off. It was it was really good because he he actually looked like he was freaked out. Right. Like, you know, you gotta give him a lot of props for that. Yep. So he takes the captured female home and tries to use a vaccine on her, but it doesn't quite work as he thought it would. Ends up flatlining her. Yeah. Ends up fucking killing her. Yeah, he brings her back with adrenaline shots, and he's like, well, guess I got more work to do. And now, another dream sequence. He's, uh, well, dreaming, like, what more happens that night? And it was pretty fucking chaotic. I mean, we are talking dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria right here. Like, everybody's, like, wanting to get out of New York, but they're taking, like everybody's temperatures or something to like scan these people to see if they're 
infected or not. But again, it's just reminded me of how they're taking people's temperatures these days. Oh, we picked a hell of a time to talk about these movies. <laughs> I think that was the whole idea to do it. <laughs> oh, wait, and, we, can't let the, we can't let the listeners know. <laughs> they uh, scan Robert and his kid. They pass, but they scan the wife, and she doesn't. So they're about to take her away, but Robert is uh, arguing with them. And, well, of course, he's a military doctor, so... He has a little bit of authority right here, so he commands them to scan her again. And then they do, and, well, I guess it must have been malfunctioning because she passes this time. Literally no way, and, well, there's this one lady who is clearly infected, as she is seen, like, bleeding from the eyes, and she's like, oh, take my kids! And so they put them on the helicopter, and Robert wakes up again from this dream sequence. Trying to set up another day, which is his birthday. And, oh boy, what a hell of a day his birthday is about to be. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention, I had this on my notes. God damn, did you see the fucking gas prices when he's like at a gas station earlier? It's like mm, 663? Jesus. <laughs> like, Especially Jesus, when like, gas prices were ridiculous. I, I don't know if gas prices got that ridiculous. I mean... They must have had a very dystopian idea of what the future's going to be. Yeah. Him and Sam, they're setting out for another day, but he uh, spots one of these mannequins out and about. The ones from the video store, and I never noticed this until I read the trivia, but if you look really closely when he spots that one, it almost looks like his head moves. I guess, of course, they replaced that. I think, yeah, I think the the monsters are moving, you know, the the stuff around. Because, like, he's genuinely, like, freaked out. Like, this this fucking mannequin moved from a video store all the way to downtown, like. Well, I know, I I mean, its head moved. Like, it looked at him or something like that from the distance. Oh, I don't know. I, I didn't really see that. Uh, next time you watch that, watch this movie, keep an eye out for that. I read somewhere that they actually replaced the mannequin with a mime just so they can can't fuck with the audience like that. So it must be a little bit more how Robert's just losing his mind. You know, it's just like the telephone sequence from the last movie. Yeah, Robert. Have you have you you haven't seen uh Kevin James actually did a short short video of this scene? Like, like where he's the sound man and like he has the Will Smith thing going in the background, but he's like the sound guy basically like talking back and forth. And it's really stupid, but it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. No, I've never seen that. And you lost me with Kevin James. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Robert, he's freaking out about this. And well, he ends up getting caught in a trap, ends up being hung upside down. And well, it's knocked out for a few hours, but he wakes up a little bit. Later, and of course, Sam is a loyal dog and just staying there. And uh, well, he ends up cutting himself down, but ends up landing right on his knife. And uh, of course, he's noticing at this time it is dusk, the sun is going down, and well, there's the leader again with some zombie mutant dogs. Really cool sequence right here is like they're kind of like divided by like a little ray of sunshine, you know, they're in shaded areas, but there's this ray of sunshine right between them and it just keeps getting slimmer and slimmer 
And finally, it's just gone. So these dogs just attack. Robert's able to take care of him, but unfortunately, Sam got injured. Prepare your tissues, people. He takes Sam home, and he's trying to give her the vaccine. Well, he's noticing like her hair is starting to fall out, and she's getting aggressive. So we see him. Well, I mean, it's more implied that he ends up strangling her to death. And that is clear five on John Wick scale right there. I'll tell you, man, that got me this time. Like, I remember watching this and not really having that effect. But, you know, you have a dog of your own. I think it really amplifies it because you kind of yeah. see that dog as your own. And it's just, it's you in that moment, not him. That that, that really got to me. Yeah, what made this even worse is that uh, my old dog was actually named Samantha, so... Oh... Uh. <laughs> And of course, I just hear the dog whine right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's adding, okay, Max. It's okay. Adding that ambiance to the scene. Yeah, he's he's like standing on me right now. <laughs> I don't know why. And so he goes and buries Sam the next day, and he stops at the video store, goes to talk to the mannequin lady in the adult section. He's like, hey, I promised a friend I'd say hi to you. Hi. Please say hi back, please. Like, yeah. he is, he's, he's fucking, he's gone. Like, oh, he, yeah. He has no will to live anymore right now. I mean, yeah, Sam, well, like he said, it will, not only his only companion left, but, you know, given to him by his daughter. So, the last reminder of his family. So, yeah, it's like he's pretty much got nothing to lose at this point. And yeah, we can see that at night he's going to fight these infected. He's trying to drive his car through like hordes of them. After a little while, it looks like they get the better of him. His car is turned upside down. They're about to get him, but and suddenly these lights just come on. They just uh, scatter. Robert, he's just kind of like dazing in and out. We see like some woman's driving home and asking where he lives. And then finally we get to see what happened the rest of that one fateful night. Just as his family was taken off in a helicopter and the daughter gave him Sam. And, you know, said a little something about the butterflies. Well, the infected start breaking in and attacking everybody. And (coughs) attacking a helicopter that ends up slamming into the helicopter where his family is. And then he wakes up. He's back in his home. His leg is stitched up. Shrek is on. And he goes into the kitchen. And really cool thing here. When he first enters the kitchen, what he sees is his family. But then we just see that it's not his family. It's a woman called Anna and her son, Ethan. And they're the ones who heard his radio message and went to find him and ended up rescuing him. And apparently, apparently they were waiting there all day. Because, you know, he was dealing with some shit, you know, losing the last of his family, you know, you kind of tend to do some dumb shit. So. Right. <laughs> you know, she's trying to tell him that there's a colony of survivors in Vermont. Robert, he's not believing this. Like, he's like completely gone at this point. You even get a sequence where 
you know, he goes in where Shrek's playing, and he's able to recite everything that's going on in this movie perfectly. And yeah, we even got a scene like that in Omega Man, where he's watching that Woodstock movie, able to recite that perfectly. Because, you know, I would rather be stuck with, like, the movies that we have today, because at least you have a lot of variety. Back then, like in Omega Man... Oh, yeah. There's, there isn't much of a variety... So you're stuck watching the same picture over and over again. At least with, like, if it would happen like nowadays, I mean, like, you got so much options. As yeah. long as you have them on DVD. Uh, yeah, because the streaming I, services would probably go down. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> and people ask why I still go with physical media. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, though, why he's reciting Shrek so perfectly. Hey, that's a big deal. I can do the same thing with scream <laughs> <laughs> well he's probably been stuck you know he well he says he likes shrek so you know yeah he's probably seen it a lot probably a lot in the last three years robert's going on his day and this time he has uh anna and ethan with him and well you know she's just trying to give him hope and he just has done at this point and so that night they put ethan to bed and he's showing her some bob marley his favorite artist in fact, you know, he even named his daughter Marley. Well, he asked her, like, about why she's here and why she rescued him and, like, how how she knows about the colony. And she says, God told me. And he's just like, man, God didn't do this. We did. There is no God. At this point, he hears noises outside. And, well, he realizes that when Anna took him home last night, it was still during the nighttime. So these infected follows and... They know where he is right now. So it just, they didn't know where he was this entire time, which is definitely something different from the book. Like, yeah, every night, like, kind of like how in Omega Man, you know, they would be outside his house and they would be calling to him and trying to lure him out. Right. Like this, it just, it seems like all they do is go foraging for food. Like that, that, that's it. Yep. And so he has to barricade it, but uh, a barricade isn't strong enough to keep all of these infected out. He has a little fight sequence that ends up back in the basement where he's noticing that the vaccine is finally working on this woman. At first it didn't, and then he decided to like add like ice to her bed or yeah. something to like add something to the you know the cure. I, I don't know what it was. I, I can't remember what he said. So he's hopeful now, and, like, all these uh, infected guys are down there, and he's like, hey, hey, I can fix you. I can fix you. I can help you. And now, well, we get two different endings right here. And Yes, I think you should do the theatrical one first if you have it. Honestly, I have not seen the theatrical version in a long time, so I don't remember how it quite plays out, but all I remember is that well, some hope. Basically, the uh, the head, quote-unquote, zombie. Basically, I, I believe uh, he keeps bashing his head on the door, and uh, Robert, he ends up telling, you know, Anna and Ethan to get into like this, you know, little slot in the wall yeah. that he had. Basically, Robert he pulls out like a grenade and blows himself up along with like all the monsters. Yes. And basically, that's the ending. And then, you know, well, he ended up giving her the cure, so they end up getting to the civilization and they let him in with the cure, and that's how it ends. Yep. 
and they're saying that he is a legend right now. So that's where the title kind of ties in with this version of the ending. But here is the alternate ending, which a lot of people, including me, says is a lot better. They're still in this little barricaded room with the glass door. Well, the head guy ends up like smearing all of the glass, and at one point it kind of looks like a butterfly. Just this, he just kind of remembers what his little daughter said about butterflies and looks at the lady, the now cured vampire lady, and she's got a butterfly tattoo on her. And so he decides that he is going to drop his gun and tells them to open up the door and says that he's now listening. So he goes out and the head vampire is telling them not to attack and he injects the female with some vampire stuff and she's back to vampire form and that's really all they wanted they just wanted her back and so now they got her back they leave then they set up to go to go search for these survivors and it's just a little bit more open now see my thing is that the one we got a theatrical it's just kind of way way too hollywood and all but i one thing i actually learned about yesterday is that apparently warner brothers greenlit a sequel for this movie yeah. Like, after it was, you know, really successful. But nothing came of it because of the theatrical ending. I guess, let me ask you this. Where do you think the movie could have gone if they had basically said that we're going to go with the alternate ending and that's how the movie really ended? I don't know. Like, maybe just going out to find this colony and all. I mean, you you could possibly think, like, you know, they're, you know searching maybe the colony isn't actually there maybe it's you know in another location or something so you know they're just going around and trying to find it they go to like all these different states and have to like barricade themselves in at night or or, you know a real survival story i don't know yeah that's kind of what i was thinking yeah my problem is that you know just listening to that i get major walking dead type vibes okay i can see that yeah, but this is uh, supposed to like tie in with the message of the book that uh, the whole time, you know, Robert thinks he's going out killing these monsters, but he ends up learning that he himself is the monster to all these uh, vampire creatures. When you just think about it, like, they're just trying to do what we do, survive. And... It's, uh, it's a really depressing message when yeah. you think about it deeply. Right. Like, imagine you are this guy, and you're in this exact position. You're the odd man out. Yeah. When do you start thinking of yourself as the monster? I guess we should probably talk about the book and the other movie in a little bit. Let's get to thought on this one first. Um, you know, like I said, you know, that, that dog scene that really got to me this time, you know, having my own dog now. Yeah. You know, having, you know, like I said, you know, I it was replacing will smith with me in that position like and then it got me thinking like in you know couldn't he have you know locked sam up and like tested on tried to fix her you know that uh, i had a lot of thoughts after that and it's just yeah, like, maybe but you know I, I don't think he was thinking clearly at that point it's just it's one of those things where it's like you you think of all these options that could have saved the dog but you know um, other than that, like, I, I think, you know, the creatures in this, I mean, they're, they're kind of scary if you think about, like, you know, what they can do, but they're not 
scary in the fact that they don't do anything. I mean, they're there, but all they do is really yell and fucking growl at you. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I, So, I mean, really, th- this one doesn't have, like, the scare factor because, like, he's he's behind all these, like, steel barricades and stuff. So it's like, you know they're not getting in unless, like, you know, they really try, which they do in the end. But, I mean, like, the ending is, is like, probably the best part of the movie because it was, like, you don't know what's going to happen, you know. He could die at any moment. And, you know, so could these, you know, the kids. What happened to the kids? And, you know, I... But uh, they they really did a good job with the isolation in this one, and you know I, I think this was a, a pretty good movie. You know, it was a, it probably I think it did better with the book than Omega Man, obviously. Yeah. And you know it, it did you know well with the isolation and you know the the I'm alone I I'm you know going crazy being alone and you know it it really did a good job in that department. So I'm gonna go pretty good. Let me tell you this. I'm going to give two ratings here. One for the one with the theatrical ending. Movie was good up until that point and just kind of misses it. I give that one a pretty good. But when you get to the alternate ending, which really sets the message of the movie what it's supposed to be, then yeah, I'm going fucking best with that version. Because, like you, you just took the words right out of my mouth, man. They really captured the isolation part very well man i mean everything just from the shots of uh, empty new york streets the lack of musical score and just how he was losing his mind they really captured the isolation stuff perfectly and you know we didn't even get to find out there was uh, more human beings alive until like i think the last half hour of the movie and when he yeah. he's just completely <laughs> gone at that point yeah at this point like you know, up until that point, I think, you know, before Sam dies, it's like, you know, things would have turned out so much differently had they arrived before that. Oh, yeah. And it's just it's another one of those what if situations. And it's just uh, it's just it gives you a lot to think about. And man, we just got to talk about amazing performance by Will Smith in this. I mean, I think this was like uh, like kind of a real change for him, you know. He's an action star at this point, you know, movies like, of course, Independence Day, I, Robot, but, you know, he was just wise cracking it up through those movies. And, you know, um, most well known. You know, Fresh Prince. His well-known catchphrase, Ah, hell no. <laughs> You're not making really crazy noises. <laughs> He's playing. <laughs> Don't mind him, keep going. <laughs> but yeah, this movie like he really like showed off his dramatic side here in this one, man. No jokes to be told at all, man. His shit is like way too serious, man. Yeah, Especially I, after a dog dies. I definitely think this is probably one of his best roles. Oh yes. Quite indeed. I mean, yeah, you could just feel it's like right there in that video store scene with some mannequin after Sam dies. Like, man, that's probably one of his best performances right there. Like when you can sit there and feel what that character is feeling, you know, the acting is like really good because like, you know, there's a lot of like times where you could watch something and you see like characters are like, you know, oh, we're, we're sad, feel sad for us or, or something like that. But like. You don't feel it because it's just 
you know, the acting isn't very good. But this, I mean, you know, he he does an amazing job. Did oh, he yeah. did he win anything for this movie? I I don't think so. Uh, here's the award section for this. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, he won for Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Uh, let's see. Um, nominee for Fright Meter Awards. Yeah, uh, winner winner for MTV Movie Awards for Best Male Performance. So, yeah, he got a few performance. Uh, got a few awards for it. Like from the more You'd, smaller type awards, but you know that's still yeah. something. You think he would get at least an Oscar nominee, man? Yeah, you know. Then I mean, again, the Oscars don't really care about horror movies and stuff, so. Yeah, I mean, some things are kind of changing, and but yeah, I mean, they would they would just kind of ignore movies like this. I mean, about uh, a few years later, we got Heath Ledger getting the best uh, actor award, but you know, I guess that was more of a post. Uh, uh, what's that word for it? Humus, humus. I don't know. Something age. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, as I keep saying, man, man, if you watch this, what's the alternate ending? Goddamn, it is the best right there. So now that we got all of that out of the way, let's talk about some OG. Yes. Uh, never seen it before. Didn't even know it existed. It was interesting. I, I watched it in the original black and white because I figured it would be the best way to watch it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it really it follows the book, like, to a T. Like, I, I know, I mean... All but... the things that he actually does and, you know, like, Ben, Cortland, and, you know, like, it, it, it really follows in suit. Yeah, what really helped, too, is that uh, I watched it immediately after I got done with the audiobook as well, so... Yeah, it, uh... I think the the only major differences from the book and the, that movie is the ending. Like... Yeah. Like, there's no church, there's no, like, him running around, you know, that sort of stuff, so... But, I mean, I, I think it, uh, it kind of worked. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, the main character's not even called Robert Neville. It's just, it's just so kind of strange if, like, of all the stuff for you to change, why is the main <laughs> character name? <laughs> the main character name. That's all that changed. Right? Like, like, like why? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, one thing I, I know is that uh, Richard Matheson himself actually did the screenplay for it. Yeah. So that's why it's as you know close as it is. Yeah, of course, apparently here he wasn't really satisfied with the final result of the movie. Oh, yeah, I mean, he freaking, he changed the main character's name. He can't be too happy with himself for doing that. Apparently he felt that Vincent Price was completely miscast. I guess I, mean, I can kind of see. Yeah, I mean, I mean um, he, he definitely plays it like himself, but, I mean, who who else at that time do you think could possibly have done it? I mean, I guess I can see where he's coming from. I mean, normally when you think of Vincent Price, you know, you think of him playing, like, the villain roles in these horror movies. I mean, I think there are, like, a few ones where he played good guy, like the original Fly, but, yeah, it's uh, definitely type of a different role for him, that's for sure. Oh, in case nobody I, knows, I, I don't think we even said it. Uh, this is the last man on Earth we are talking about right here. Yeah, from, like, the 65 or something? Sixty-four, I believe. Something like that. Oh, and uh, I also got to ask too. Did you get uh, from the uh, vampire zombie creatures we got in this one? 
Did you get a vibe of an other type of movie, one that would probably come out five years later watching them? Mm, what, uh, Night of, or Dawn, no, Night, Night, Night of yep. the Living Dead? Night, yes, Night of the Living Dead. Forgot the fucking name of the movie for that, <laughs> for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it felt more like that than it did anything else, but, like, this time the zombies could talk. Like, it, it had that, you know, haunting effect of, of Ben calling out, you know, for Robert. And, of course, I went on the trivia for this uh, movie on the IADB page, and I said right there, many people believe that this was the inspiration for Night of the Living Dead. So, hey, we have Richard Matheson to thank for the zombies genre, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's that's open to interpretation, obviously. But, well, yeah, I guess. But, yeah, that's the vibe I got from watching the creatures in this movie, even before I read that trivia fact. I mean, maybe it's just because of the black and white. I don't know. But yeah, I got heavy Night Living Dead vibes off of that. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely feel it. But at the same time, there, uh, I don't know. And, uh, well, I will just say, too, that I think... Of all three of these movies that I think Will Smith one captures the uh, message of the book very well. Just about, you know, how he is a monster to the monsters. Yeah, I... That's definitely... uh, I mean, if you want to go story, it's definitely the original movie. Yes. Um, If you want to go, like, the isolation and the whole, you know... You know, he's a monster type thing you know that's you go with that one but if you want to go way out there and you know go like completely different and <laughs> you go with omega man or if you want to just completely torture yourself you watch the asylum version <laughs> <laughs> yeah no we're not gonna watch that <laughs> i watch it so you people don't have to <laughs> <laughs> oh poor jake yeah, How many years yeah. he's wasted on shitty movies. <laughs> uh, hey, I, I fit some good ones in there to make up for it all. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that's it. That's, that's the whole Richard Matheson I Am Legend series. It's good talk about this whole series, you know? I mean, man, they just just completely different versions each time, man. It just makes me wonder if they ever decide to do it again, like what direction they could take it. I mean, again, we can't talk about how we hope next time maybe they can get to more traditional type vampires, but eh, it's probably not going to be that way. I mean, I know it's it's probably not going to happen just because like for the book came out in like the 50s. So back then, like the story really worked. Yeah. But for something like nowadays, it really doesn't have that same effect as it's something we've seen like a million times before. I mean, the only way they could do it, but they would have to get like real violent, like yeah. in like backstory stuff. And I think that would be like the only way that it, it works. And, you know, if they're going to do it again, I would almost rather them do it like kind of independently i mean uh, no no more of the cgi type vampire we got in will smith version like let's get some people in fucking makeup man yeah like you know i mean even if it's it's makeup that's kind of like you know that of like 
Omega Man. Like, you know, they've got wounds on their faces and yeah. you know, their skin is real pale and stuff. Like that that's that's more like the the book itself. So I think it, it still works. Yeah, just imagine, man, if you can just combine all the best parts of all three of these movies and you can just make the ultimate version of this story. But who knows if we will get it. Don't give me any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do read on the IDB page, like, they're saying something like uh, they are talking about a reboot of, of course, Will Smith's version. And, of course, reading the what it's all about, it just sounds like it's going to be a sequel to this. They even said Will Smith will not be returning which I assume they're probably going with the theatrical ending then. But, you know, since they're calling it, it looks more like a sequel, again, oh, that's my thing about the term reboot being thrown around. Call it a remake or a sequel. Stop throwing this reboot shit around. Yeah, um, it's. I don't think it's going to, it would work as well without, you know, the character that Will Smith portrayed. Yeah. Or if you don't get him back and address like it's the alternate ending was the real ending, like don't do it at all. Yeah. Just reboot it. Yeah. If they do that, they'll probably do what Independence Day 2 did. Hey, oh, he died off screen. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and again, like if they're going off what the theatrical version is, like I said, it'll probably just be like a movie version of Walking Dead just with CG vampire creatures. I don't know. I think for now, leave it be. Let people forget about it like they did for, you know, Omega Man in between I Am Legend. Like, I don't think a lot of people associate the two together unless you tell them, hey, this is that's what they are. I don't think a lot of people really look too deep into that stuff. So this came out in like, what, 2007? Yep. So give it probably another five or six years before you start talking about it. Yeah, maybe a little longer, but... (laughs) Probably, you know, get a script working for a few years, you know, make sure it's all right, and then about ten years from now, release it. Yeah. Of course, I also want to talk about, like, before Will Smith's version, they've been trying to get this off the ground for, like, years, and at one point they were supposed to have an Arnold movie with uh, I Am Legend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, I'm just trying to f- figure out uh, what kind of one-liners he gets thrown out there. <laughs> <laughs> Bang, you're dead. <laughs> I am legend! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've really gone off on a tangent. <laughs> <sighs> yep, I'm pooped. Take a little break and discuss next time. Hypnosis for the final that you came here for The one derivative you managed The one I am for I need a minute to eliminate forever What the everyday bullshit that I did out on You're impossible, ego fuck It's like a megalomaniacal jab on my tongue You fucking touch me, I will rip you apart I'll reach in and take a bite out of that shit you call a life
are back, and, well, first time in many, many weeks, uh, we don't have feedback from Balsack. What the hell, Balsack? I... Send us a uh, fucking uh, fuck you. And at least Gift's got some shit. <laughs> yeah, man, where's my daily dose of fucking reaming up the ass, man? Anything, if he gets the uh, feedback the next episode, I think I'll be getting the amount of shit from my <laughs> little background noise earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, that's going to annoy quite a few people. But uh, hopefully gonna... in the editing process, it'll, it'll be a lot better. Yeah, I'm going to try edit out as much as I can, but yeah, uh, I can't promise it'll be 100% noise-free. Hey, this is a podcast. Nobody ever said we were professional. Right. <laughs> hey, hey, send me some money so I can get a soundproof room, people. I mean, look at our choice in music. I mean, <laughs> we're not professionals here. <laughs> okay, so next time around, hey, guess what? Some memes are going to be returning. What kind of memes are we talking about? <laughs> Chuck Norris has the greatest poker face of all time. He won the 1983 World Series of Poker, despite holding only a Joker, a get-out-of-jail-free uh, card, Monopoly card, uh, two of clubs, seven of spades, and a green number four card from the game of Uno. <laughs> Chuck, if uh, you didn't get that, we're doing Chuck Norris movies. Yep. Yeah, so. back to Chuck, man. So... A lot of roundhouse kicking, a lot of jokes, <laughs> same stuff from the, <laughs> of course, unlike the last time we did a Chuck North episode, you know, the Avengers isn't coming out, so it'll be 100% <laughs> focused on Chuck North this time around. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we took quite a beating after that one. Chuck <laughs> North came to each of us and fucking punched, <laughs> punched us with his beard fist. I still have, I still have a bruise from that. Yeah, my the hospital bills from that shit, man. They, they still haven't been caught up with yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, fun times. What Chuck North movies are we talking about? Well, I'm going to be doing a movie called Invasion USA. And I will be talking about Chuck North taking on some Satanists in Hellbound. Yep. A couple movies I've never seen before, so... It should be fun times. And that's yes. what the show's all about. Watching movies and reviewing them. Yes, yes. Want to talk some Chuck North with us? Do so at unholymofos at gmail.com. Or I'm at JakeTheSnake54 on Twitter. I'm at Brother underscore Scott1. Yes. I really yeah. think that's all. Huh? Ball, ball sack, you should get in on this next episode. <laughs> 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 Just fucking constantly barrage us with Chuck North jokes. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess until Chuck North episode version two, peace out. Later, fuckers.
hates and regrets and charity laced with a lie Still we keep hoping to fix all the defects and strengthen these seminal ties We go on together for better works Our histories to real to hate Now and forever we stay until Till we die.